Join Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin for a new monthly edition of the Capital Ideas Podcast. It's your look inside one of the world's largest asset managers. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Invest 30 minutes today. American Funds Distributors, Inc. The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor Q&B. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at QatarEconomicForum.com. Let's get to Lorreen Gilbert, CEO at Wealthwise Financial. Uh, so to my friends who are bearers, you may want to turn the radio down a little bit here. Um, we're going to make the case for the other direction. So, Lorreen, we, we got two main major overhangs. Uh, obviously, one is the, is the China COVID zero policy, and the other is central banks being aggressive on rates. Yesterday, we got this little rumor that filtered through the markets that a committee was being set up for China to to reopen by next March, and the markets exploded to the upside. This is what's out there waiting, uh, you know, once you get the kind of all clear from the Fed and from China. So, yeah, I mean, be 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 wary of that. Lorraine. Yeah, I think that, that people are chomping at the bit, certainly on Chinese stocks, wanting things to turn around. And you, I guess you could say the same in the U.S., although I think investor sentiment is still quite negative and has been that's what we've seen during earnings season so far is that people have been quite negative as they've looked at forward guidance so i think we've still got a very strong fed a very aggressive fed definitely think that that's uh, in the cards and that they're not going to stop anytime soon but i do still hold that we are going to see as we have in the past after the midterm elections and potentially this idea of uh divided government, the markets tend to like that, looking forward at what's ahead. And we've got a couple of bits of old wisdom kind of at war here. I mean, on, on the one hand, there's that saying that you point out that's time in the markets, not timing the markets. So with that in mind, you get along. Or there's the other saying, don't catch the falling knife. Have we got more to fall here? Which is it? Yeah, well, I think that I think you definitely have a falling knife, especially in some of these growth names where on those growth names, we don't know exactly where the bottom is. Certainly, we know that valuations were high. Now they've come down quite a bit. But we've just seen even in the last few days after news of certain stocks, we've seen the continued decline. So that's really what I'm saying on the falling life. I think that you have to be aware of some of these growth names and stick to what's been working, which is on the value side, the dividend paying stocks. Yeah, I think even the bulls would not say, you know, back up the truck. Uh, but just that if you're looking out for, say, six to nine months, it could be a little better. It's been a great year for the bears. However, um, we're actually higher than where we were in June. So, you know, the last four to five months, even though the bears have probably felt pretty good, um, you know, we haven't seen continued losses. Yeah, we had a great October and uh, better than we would have expected. And uh, Lorene, I just want to get your thoughts on earnings season thus far and the risk of an earnings recession and a recession more broadly, because you do make an interesting point about earnings. Once you strip out energy, things suddenly don't really look that terrific, do they? They don't. And so that's where if we really look at it, we're looking at a negative 5.1%. 
on the S&P 500 when you take out the energy sector. And so with that, we are technically in an earnings recession for the sectors apart from energy. With that, though, if we look at next year, it looks much more promising as far as what analysts are expecting. And so just like we see the markets are always forward looking, the markets have gone down precipitously year to date. But as things turn around, by the time we actually realize how much the economy has slowed down, the market might have turned already. A bear case scenario could be that productivity is falling pretty sharply and uh, people are not sure what's actually causing this. Uh, and if you, if you enter into a period where you have you know, prices remaining high, costs up, but productivity down, it's not that good for profits. No, it's not that good for profits. And what you also have, of course, is this this wage growth issue that continues to be a problem, and that's increasing costs most definitely for companies. So with that, the good news is we've seen a lot of companies be able to pass on those costs to the consumer, but how long then can the consumer continue to purchase goods and services at these higher levels? We know you have a bias towards U.S. equities at the moment, but I just want to get your thoughts on China as well and sort of the balance of risks there. I mean, you know, obviously it's a much more stimulatory environment in terms of monetary policy. Um, we now have a little bit of political certainty going ahead with Xi Jinping confirmed for that third term. But then there's those risks as well, zero COVID, the property crisis, the potential for sudden regulatory change. Is this a market that you tread warily in? We do. We are keeping much more domestically versus international. So within the U.S., with the strong dollar and the and the Federal Reserve continuing to raise rates, once that rolls over, I think we will see more opportunities as the dollar then potentially weakens against other currencies. But it, you mentioned China specifically. But what we saw after that 20th Congress is many more hardliners and more of a nationalist approach versus a globalism approach. So with that, we're still keeping it within the United States. And if you stay in the United States, uh, probably a pretty good time for stock picking. Uh, um, what are you most drawn to? Yeah, we like the value side of things uh, across capitalization, large cap, mid cap, small cap. We do also especially like small cap as much as it has been beaten down and hurt so far this year. And if we look at sectors, we like healthcare quite a bit and we still like industrials as well. We do, of course, have the Fed meeting coming up, uh, or the decision, uh, very, very soon. I, I just want to get a sense of when you think that pivot might come. It's going to come eventually. Uh, the, the question is all about the timing, yeah? It is the timing, and I don't think we see it in 2022. I think it's 2023, most definitely, and maybe after February, so you know, maybe around March. But I think given the jolts number that we saw today, I think we're going to hear a very strong Fed tomorrow. All right, Lorraine Gilbert, uh, we will have to leave it there. Thanks so much, though, for joining us on Bloomberg Daybreak Asia. Lorraine Gilbert is CEO at Wealthwise Financial. From Silicon Valley to Wall Street, the promise and perils of artificial intelligence are playing out on the world stage. But what will the next phase of AI adoption look like? Which companies from big tech to startups will dominate? And where do the risks and unintended consequences lie? I'm Emily Chang. Join me at Bloomberg Tech in San Francisco, May 9th, to answer many of the industry's burning questions. Alongside SNAP's Evan Spiegel, Xbox President Sarah Bond, 
OpenAI's Brad Lightcap, top researcher Dr. Fei-Fei Li of Stanford, and many more. More details and just a few tickets left at Bloomberg.com slash TechSF.